today I want to kind of intro my podcast hostess counterpart here. So we're going to be talking about Emily Marshall. Um, I was introduced to Emily a few years back whenever her and Paul started their YouTube channel. You guys have been kind of pioneers in showing people that it's possible to build your own home. Um, YouTube is now the second largest search engine in the world behind Google. And when people search bar dominiums, they're finding pages like yours with real people who are doing real builds themselves over the contractor. And I think you just have some super valuable insight on parts of that that we haven't gotten to see on the YouTube channel. So without further ado, here we go. What has it been like building your own home? To sum it up, uh, self-building your own home has been the best and best and worst thing probably that's ever let me start that over. Do you hear all the beeping? Yeah. What is that? It was my GoPro. I was going to try and the battery is low, so I don't care. <laughs> I'm probably not going to use it anyway, because I want my setup different. So, um, okay. Where were we? All right. So what you asked me, what was it like to self-build? Yeah. What in the world is it um, like to actually self-build? Well, I wonder if it should be more of a question, like, you know, so, you know, uh, like more of a, hey, hey, uh, Emily, if you want to, you know, take the floor, tell us about yourself and, okay, and your project and, and kind of, yeah, so then I can, then I can kind of go through a little bit more. Okay, of bio. Let me do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Um. All right, so Emily, we've seen you on YouTube. And for anyone who hasn't seen you and your project on YouTube, can you tell us about what it is that you built and why you built it? If you don't know, my husband and I, we decided about three and a half years ago that we were going to build our own home. Uh, we had lived in Illinois for quite a few years and made the choice to completely uproot everybody, uh, moved us all to Iowa outside of Des Moines and found ourselves a piece of land about six months after we relocated. Uh, we weren't quite sure what we were gonna do, but then I don't even remember how it came up that we were going to design our own post-frame home and build it. I, I'm assuming that, you know, Paul, Paul's a big researcher. Uh, he had done extensive research on building types and construction. We had been remodelers for quite a long time in addition to our full-time jobs. Uh, and so he, you know, found this construction style post-frame homes that, uh, post-frame buildings. And he thought, well, this would make a lot of sense. You know, he had grown up on a farm and that's a pretty post-frame is a very popular agricultural building style, especially here in the Midwest. Uh, so he just said it made a lot of sense to him. And he, the way that we looked at it was that this is the type of construction that we could do maybe a little bit more effectively by ourselves. So that's, I guess, kind of how the, how the conversation started. Uh, we spent months and months and months uh, drawing different versions of our home on graph paper. Uh, we went from really small floor plans up to pretty large ones and kind of everything in between. Uh, we were trying to hash out what is it that we really need? Uh, what is it that we really want? And see how we could marry those two lists of things together. At the time, our children were extremely young. Uh, we had a four-year-old, a 
three-year-old and not, and not even a one-year-old when we started this wow. process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the, it was quite the, quite the task, I guess <laughs> we, we decided to do that. And so we, we really, we, we spent so much time thinking and planning, uh, I guess you could call it dreaming, but I feel like we were a lot more systematic about it than just dreaming. We weren't thinking about uh, what would be just the coolest thing that we could ever have in a house. We were being very realistic about what can we actually do? Like, what can we execute? Because we're planning on doing this by ourselves, or rather Paul is planning on doing this by himself. Uh, and also, you know, with the money that we had, we knew that there was a limit. So what's going to be reasonable? So we spent so much time thinking through that. We spent a lot of time thinking about our family and we tried to, I guess this is where the dreaming part comes in. We tried to imagine what is going, what are things going to look like at different stages of our lives? So we start with super young kids and obviously they're going to continue to get bigger if we were to stay in this house very long-term. Uh, which we have not lived anywhere very long term before, uh, you know, what is that going to look like? What are we going to need? Because we need certain things now, and then we're going to need other things later. I've told a few people this, but here's a big secret. Uh, personally, I think that my house is a little too big right now <laughs> because of how, how small our children still are. Uh, we, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it, we built our house for our kids being teenagers and having their friends over and things like that. So our, our house is, is a very long-term investment in our family. We want to be the house that all of the kids want to come to. We want to create a safe environment for them so that, you know, parents can trust that what their children are being exposed to is appropriate think through all of that and we tried to think about like what you know and then and then some of the things like I would say in the designing process of our home when you're self-building you have to think through uh, just how your day-to-day -day life operates landed on a few things you know like I call it the, the house of doubles like we have two dishwashers we have two two laundry rooms you know there's a lot of things that we duplicated throughout the house because we knew the two dishwashers yes Yes. I don't think I've talked to, I don't think I've shown that to anyone and they've said that's excessive, um, especially people with kids. They're like, wow, right. Wow. Why didn't I, I never thought I could do two. I will wake right. up one, don't right. get two, but right. I guess whenever you design it and build it yourself, I mean, you get the luxury of saying, I screw it, two dishwashers. Right, right. Which those are the kinds of things I think that if you're, you know, even if you're not planning on self-building, I think the, the, that's one of the things that you really should spend a significant amount of time talking through with uh, whoever you're building with. So if it's your spouse, right. if it's, you know, if you're a bigger family unit that you're working together on something, you need to talk through all of those things because then you can come to, we could, we could have taken all of this right to a designer and we could have said, here's our like wish list and stuff. And it were, you know, we did that with the kitchen designer. We were like, we have to have two dishwashers and they made it work. Um, so yeah, so that was like not a problem, but it isn't necessarily something that somebody's going to suggest to you. Uh, so I would say, you know, really think through that because a designer isn't always going to make as many suggestions. They're more going to like, let you lead the conversation. And so you need to know what it is that you really want in a home. Speaking of things that you knew you wanted, 
um, it sounds like a lot of your design was from experience and your kids were young. So it's not like you, you'd had, you know, older kids that had gone through it all before and you'd lived in homes with them. So when you designed this, what was, what were the living situations that you guys were in before that taught you that you wanted these things? Um, cause I think that a lot of people have, you know, been in one house for a long time and they right. may not have had exposure at what, <laughs> Where did you learn the things that you absolutely needed? <laughs> well, I think it comes from uh, living in a lot of places that were not ideal. We lived in a ton of unfinished spaces uh, over the years. So as I mentioned before, we were remodelers, uh, but that was not ever our full-time job. Uh, Paul was in law enforcement. I was a financial advisor before we had kids and I made the choice to stay at home. And so one of the ways that we supplemented our income was by doing these remodel projects. And that is, uh, that's the primary way that we built the equity that we needed in order to be able to build the home that we're in now. Uh, it wasn't that we had these lavish careers, which would have been awesome, but we just didn't have that. that. Those weren't the choices that we made. And so we decided to remodel. And in remodeling, uh, I've told quite a few people this, that if you're young, you're getting started, you're trying to figure out, you want to build a home like this for yourself, a, a renovation is a great place to learn uh, because you get to tear things apart and see how they were actually put together in the first place. Uh, you get to understand a lot more about it because you're seeing the completed the completed wall uh, with everything that goes behind it versus having to like have like make it out of thin air literally. Um, so I think that's where a lot of the experience came from in designing this home is is living inconveniently and figuring out what are the conveniences that really will make life easier. Uh, that, that are worth making life easier. Uh, so things like the two dishwashers, that, that really would make life easier because I was at home cooking multiple meals a day and having to run the dishwasher once a day. We did live in a situation where for almost four months, I did not have running water in the kitchen. So I actually did all of our oh. dishes in the bathtub. Um, that was when Lenley, our youngest was six months old. It was, it was ridiculous. So that, I think that was definitely the, the renovation that we were doing that I said, like, I will out like two dishwashers is a must have, like, I don't want to like hand wash anything. <laughs> That's a level of compromise that I just, I almost can't comprehend. I mean, a lot of people are willing to live in RVs and in basements of their parents' house. And um, yeah, washing dishes in the bathtub with a six-month-old is probably a whole other level of that for most people. Yeah, I mean, so we'd wash all the dishes and we'd put them on a big bath towel and drag it back into the kitchen, down the hallway, back into the kitchen so that it all could dry in there because we needed to clean out the tub so we could bathe all the kids in the tub. Uh, because that, that bathtub was the single source of running water in the whole house for months. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, yeah, looking back, I think like we just, I don't know, we did what we had to do. Like that, I guess that's the point of it is that it's not like, it's not a point of, of pity. It's not a point of like, oh my gosh, why would you do that to your children or yourself or anything like that? I mean, because uh, it's just, it's what we had to do uh, to get the renovation done, to make the extra money so that we could live 
you know, a different life eventually. I don't ever want to do that again. Um, <laughs> and I would say I, that yeah. I would say every single renovation that we embarked on at the end of it, there was always something that I was like, okay, the next one, let's not do this. That was the goal with the, with this, that one was that I don't want to have to use a bathtub as my only source of running water the next time, yeah. uh, which, which we achieved that goal. Um, I think then we, you know, we ended up renting a place for a while while we started building this home. And then we ended up moving into the garage of this home, uh, which when I say garage, a lot of people like you see terror in their eyes because they're thinking about a two car residential garage. But with this, you know, a Barnuminium, you typically have a little bit different uh, garage setup. And our garage is actually about 2,300 square feet, which is the largest living space up to that point that we had ever lived in. All of our really? houses had been smaller than that. Yes. So we had plenty of space. See, and I think that's where like everybody, um, like the compromise, because when you talk about living in a camper or something like that, I like, I think, oh gosh, I wouldn't want to do that because yeah. it feels like there is like zero room in it and everything like that. I always had like room to like mill about. Right. When everyone can have their own corner and you're not yeah. tripping directly over the kid's stuff because right. that's the only place that it is for it to be. Right. See, that's so where I, we are right now. Right. So I so. might have, I might have no running water. Like I might only have one source of running water and no, and just like no flooring and like no doors or anything like that. But yeah, so there's no frills as it gets, but you're not yeah. elbow to elbow all the time. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> um, which is kind of silly. I mean, another reason too, like that we uh, lived in the garage and didn't pursue like another way of living and stuff is because we live in Iowa. So we get all four seasons. Winter is incredibly bitter and cold. And, you, you know, if you know anything about like mobile homes or RVs or campers, uh, they're they a just lot. Right. So did the kids have like their own space when you were in the garage? How did y'all organize? Um, yeah. So, so we can talk about the garage for a little bit. Um, we have a whole video where I gave everybody a tour about five months into living in the garage. So if you want to like head to our YouTube channel, find that video. It's, it says we live in our garage. It's a whole tour of it. Uh, we, we really like made the most of it. Uh, we set up the garage is 56 by 40. Uh, it's four stalls. And we set it up to where we had like a little TV area and we had our like workshop nook was actually storage. We hung a tarp across and like put all of our belongings that we weren't using in that space, which by that point we had pared down so much from moving okay. from one state to another, moving multiple times. Like we're really like the king and queen of, of like, not minimalism, but just, we really did not hang on to more than we absolutely needed. Um, Essentialism. Yes. Essential it, items only. Yeah. So, so people would be, people were really surprised. They're like, where's all your stuff? And I'm, they're like, do you have like a bunch of storage units? And I'm like, no, like what you see is what it, what it is. Like it's a handful of totes and like this little nook. And then the rest of this the houses usually before we actually got around to decorating them so we didn't have a lot of yeah you're not carrying around like your china and a bunch of knickknacks and fun yeah. pictures you know that that's yeah. a great yeah. I, I think that's something everyone underestimates is how much stuff they're going to put in storage but if you're already doing the shuffle before you start the process you probably yeah. got rid of a lot anyway yeah which I could go I could you know talk for an hour just about the the shuffle and like the things that I've learned 
through multiple moves. And, uh, you know, and one of the thing, it, one of the biggest things that I advise folks when they're doing that, just don't hold on to stuff that is, doesn't really mean anything to you. Uh, you know, get, just purge, you know, get rid of the furniture that you don't absolutely love get rid of the decor that you don't absolutely love. Because also the thing that most people, um, you might not realize is that nine times out of 10, that piece might not work anywhere in your new home. That's the crazy, you think, you think, oh, there's no way. And like, that's the craziest thing is that you get into your new space and you realize like your furniture doesn't fit right. Or your decor doesn't, you don't have like a, the right shelf for it or something, you know, so it's not worth hanging on to stuff that you're not absolutely in love with. Um, so yeah, so we lived in the garage. Uh, we, the way we designed our garage, the only reason that it really worked was that we had designed it with a like canning and processing kitchen in the garage. That was part of the original plan. Which uh, is and, amazing. Yes. Um, yes. So <laughs> totally amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things that it feels very luxurious, but it also then when you really break it down, it's like, oh, that makes a ton of sense if this is how you're living. Um, so my, so Paul's a bow hunter. And so we have meat that we process on a regular annual basis. And I just didn't, I wanted to have a spot where that all that didn't have to be a part of our kitchen. Uh, because a lot of times the processing, whether it's meat, or we have a very big garden, all the vegetables, when all of that starts to come into season, uh, it takes up a lot of room. And you don't always like, start to finish the processing in one, in like one sitting. Um, so, you know, I might bring in ton, like three or four or five gallon buckets full of tomatoes at the end of the night. Well, I'm not going to like sit there and process tomatoes all night. I might get, I'll do it like the next day, some of them. And then the day after that, well, having all that sitting in your kitchen can be really overwhelming. Um, and some people, it doesn't bother at all. Like I live in this, I live in this garage, but we're not going to just have like all of our totes of belongings everywhere and everything is open and we're living out of boxes and you know, there's no rhyme or reason. Like I have to have like some order to it. Right. So yeah. That so makes have, perfect sense. Yeah. So that's how that worked is that we had this processing kitchen. We have a huge commercial stove in it. We have a huge like commercial uh, three basin sink. So it wasn't terrible. The one thing that we regret about our build though, is that we didn't incorporate a bathroom in the original garage design. And we like a also bathroom or a half bathroom, any bathroom, okay. there is no bathroom in our garage. Looking back, we wish what we had done is put up the entire structure. So house and garage, you get all your concrete in all your spray foam insulation. And then we, we wish we would have pushed pause on the house. We wish we would have then just focused on getting the interior of the garage finished as fast as we could. We wish we had put a bathroom in it, in the design. And then everything would have been like done and like in that space. So much more comfortable there. Yes, it would have been immensely more comfortable because not having a bathroom inside of the garage actually created a ton of problems like going forward, you have all of these different decisions throughout the build process and all of these different pro things that you have to do. So say, for example, the first obstacle was we moved into the garage uh, towards the end of August and then winter shows up. Well, 
we still don't have like our ceiling done in our house. And so we don't have any heat on, like we don't have anything going. Um, so the only bathroom was right inside the house. And so we went through most of the winter without any heat in there. So you'd run in there to go to the bathroom, run in there to take a shower, and then you'd have to run out. And I mean, I'm talking like, I mean, that's camping. Yes, it's that, yes. That is camping right there. Yes. Yeah. And I don't like camping. That's one of those things that I'm like, that he, you know, Paul and I both are like, well, if we were to ever do this again, the garage was not a terrible option, but it needed to have a bathroom for sure. That would have, yes. It needed to have a bathroom. And then we also, we didn't put any, like we're planning on installing a mini split system in it so that we can, because I also didn't think about when do you process vegetables most of the time? Well, around here, it's usually August is like a huge canning month, which is also like the hottest month of the year here. Um, yeah. So the temperature, so we go from like negative 20 in January, and then it's like 110 in August, you know? So, um, so you think like, I'm in a canning kitchen in the garage with no air conditioning, like it gets, and you've got, I've got this 48 inch commercial stove with six burners going, like it gets so hot. So that you're, was another, yeah, you're cooking yourself there. Right. That was wow. another regret. So, so yeah. So looking back, we would have made some improvements to make the garage a little bit more comfortable, like the mini split system. So it had air conditioning as an option. Cause we don't want it to have air conditioning as an option all the time because we are using it as an actual garage. Um, but, but yeah, we would have done that. We would have put a bathroom in. And then I think that our experience would have been a lot less chaotic. I think it would have been a lot more like settling and calming because um, the bedroom situation was not ideal either, but it was okay. Uh, so we also live somewhere where we have tornadoes and pretty bad storms kind of regularly. And so we dug a basement area in our garage as our storm shelter. That room, Paul elevated the floor. He elevated it. He only dug it down like seven feet. And so it stuck up. Like he made it so that the walls stuck up out of the ground about a foot. Cause he said, then if the garage for whatever reason were to ever flood or something like that, it's not going to run into that basement area. So he did that. So that whole room is up, which then you step up into an enclosed room above it. So that's what we used as our bedroom system. Our kids slept in three beds lined up against the wall in the storm shelter. And then we had our bed above them. So they could just come right up the stairs into this. And we were all in an enclosed room at night so we could shut the door. Again, we would have focused on like, let's put some walls, you know, let's like cover the walls, not just have the studs and the spray foam. Like, let's actually cover the walls. Let's run the electrical. Let's have this feel more like a home and stuff. So you um, guys weren't just like balancing having little kids and building a home. You guys are balancing having little kids building a home, living in really less than ideal circumstances. Well, I think that's kind of mind blowing because whenever you go back and watch that footage as a person who was viewing it in real time at the time it was happening, it, it didn't seem like the kind of chaos that you're describing right now. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that bad, but it was really to hear it from you, from your perspective as the person living in it really is a lot more than I think most people would be comfortable with. Um, and definitely more than you guys portrayed at the time, because that was not what your channel was about. Your channel was not about like, oh my gosh, we're doing this drama. Right. It was, let me right. show you how to do this. 
it's one of those things that I've told you this before, like some of it was just too hard to talk about because there, you know, you didn't know whether or not it was going to really end. I mean, you knew like we're building this house, but at the same time, like you're emotionally, you're just, there's not, not light at the end of the tunnel for a long time. We lived there for a year. So then summer started again and we still, we didn't have air conditioning in the garage, you know, again, oh my gosh, um, you know, so we still, we still don't, you know, so it's, uh, but we were living in it and there was one day where, uh, we have this temperature thing. I don't know even why we had this little temperature thing in our bedroom and I walked in there at 1130 in the morning and it was 85 degrees already in the bedroom. Um, that was the inside temp because it was going to be well over hundred degrees that day. And, uh, you know, I just, I remember just crying and I called my friend, like, can we please come like stay the night with you? Because it's already this hot in my house. And I mean, of course, like they're incredible. And they were like, yeah, like you living with us is the best thing that's ever happened to us. And I'm like, same. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they rescued us and let us would always let us come and stay when it was too hot. Leads me to the other problem with why not having, I can't believe I'm talking this much about having a bathroom somewhere. Um, but, but it's, <laughs> it's one of those real, things, yeah, it's, it's, so very, it's very real. It's very much one of those really important things that you need to put a lot of thought into. Uh, when it comes to your plan. Next round of problems with the bathroom was when drywall started happening. So drywallers, they need to drywall behind your toilet. So the days that they came to do that, like Paul had to take the toilet out and then like, then he had to put it back in at night after they left and then take it out again and put it back in. And the reason why I didn't talk a lot about that kind of stuff, that's a pride, pride thing for me. Like it feels almost embarrassing to admit that this is how we lived. And this is what we were doing in order to achieve the goal of having this home and have, and building it affordably for us. Fast forward back, we're again in the summer and the guys, when the way we wanted to finish our concrete or, and typically when you want to like do something to your concrete, you're going to need to have it ground anyway. Like somebody comes in with a big grinder to like grind, to roughen it up so that whatever you want to do to it will stick. Um, so we hired somebody to come in to do that. And, you know, guess what? The toilet, <laughs> the toilet has to come out because they have to grind the floor in the bathroom. So then we had another like time period where, like the toilet had to come out in the mornings and then go back in the afternoon hot garage with the three kids with no toilet. So I go to the gas station and he calls me. He's like, where are you at? And I was like, I went to come and go um, to go to the bathroom. He's like, why would you do that? And I was like, because I'm 38 and I don't need you to approve of my decisions. <laughs> oh, so yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I want to go somewhere with air conditioning that has a bathroom inside. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. A gas station bathroom was my best option. It's a part of our story and it's a part of our sacrifice. And, um, and my goal for the next time is to never have an inoperable toilet. So there's my goal. If you still are undecided about a bathroom in your garage or shop area, um, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, the, if this cautionary tale does not sway yes. you. <laughs> yeah, because again, that would have eliminated, it's, that's where I'm talking about thinking through those kinds of things because that would have eliminated so many problems by just having a simple bathroom in the garage space from the get-go. Like it just would have solved 
like we could have even made it like not having air conditioning. Lots of people live without air conditioning, you know, but like just having a bathroom would have just made everything more convenient, probably would have lessened so much more of the emotional toll. Uh, because when you're self-building, all of these obstacles, they, they accumulate on you. Like, yeah. So they, they build a house on top of you. And so it's, um, when you're, when you're self-building, there is a big emotional price that you have to pay, uh, to get this done. Uh, because there is a million decisions that you're the only one responsible for making. Uh, there is, uh, it takes so much more time um, to do it because you're just one person or you're a couple of people that are trying to do all of this. And, uh, and the rest of your life uh, typically keeps going on. Uh, yeah. your, you know, your kids still have to be taken care of all the time. And at the time, our children were so little, you know, making sure everybody's fed, everybody has what they need. Um, And then, you know, then we also have this whole other side of our business of sharing everything. Um, So, you know, again, I think that's why you've constantly been reflecting on what was going on around you because you're having to rewatch it. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, craziness. (laughs) So crazy. So, yeah. So Paul would, uh, so not only did he self-build, but he self-filmed. Uh, so he would film himself building things and he would spend all day building. And then he, after we would get the kids to bed at night, he would stay up super late and he would edit the videos. All impressed with our videos back in those days and stuff like that. I said, like, they're pretty good for somebody like hanging off the side of a building, holding a GoPro. Um, and I'm not saying that everybody would experience this. And I think that the few things I've shared that somebody could do would help mitigate it significantly. Um, but yeah, that's, and that's why you don't see everybody sharing, like sharing their projects online either, because this is such a chaotic process and it is so overwhelming and there's so much to do with it. So it's like, so to, to have the capacity to also share with other people is uh, almost paralyzing for a lot of people. Um, well, and and it, as someone who was watching it, like, and someone who now creates, I, mad props to you guys, because being able to be in the comments and responding to people and having people really critique your work as you're doing it, um, it is a monster of a thing to put on your shoulders. Um, yeah. When you build anything, everyone has an opinion on how you should do it, how you shouldn't do it, why you should do it. Um, uh, people will critique every little thing that you do. So to have it in y'all to actually produce, con- to do it, first of all, to plan it, to follow through with actually making it happen. And then also shoulder the responsibility of hearing everyone else's comments, of reading everyone's inside thoughts that seem to come out in the comment section um, really props to you guys for surviving that because yeah. it, the roasting that you can receive online for doing something the way that Jim Bob in the corner of the internet, you know, wouldn't do it. It's pretty epic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, well, thank you. Thank you. Cause we have a really great audience in a community, but you always have people that come out of the woodwork. 
Uh, and they would you know, <laughs> say things that were super critical, you kind of want to like yell at them and be like, you have no idea how we're barely hanging on right now. Like people would comment, they'd be like, your wife is so ugly. And like, just, yeah, some things like that. And, and sometimes people would leave these really long comments that Paul was like, you're telling me that everything I'm doing, doing is wrong. And basically I deserve to die. Like people were, some people were really vicious about it. That's to the other point of like, why don't people share more? And it's like, well, if we were getting those kinds of comments just from sharing how we're doing it, like imagine if I had got on there every week and had been like actually telling people how we were doing emotionally and people have been like, I don't feel sorry for you or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. Uh, we, my favorite comment of all time, oh, we'll get into, but um, I mean, I have a couple, but one of my favorite comments of all time on YouTube was somebody commented when millionaires millionaire uh, was the comment. And I thought, what? I don't have an operable toilet inside of my dwelling. <laughs> <laughs> so chances are. I am not actually, I am not in fact in the category that your comment is trying to put me in. In fact, most people, if they had unlimited funding, they would not actually do this. If they, right. if they had the financial opportunity to not self-build, the majority of people would choose not to build. Most people do this out of necessity. And so that's what we do try to continue to communicate with people is you know, we understand the necessity of it for you. So what's going to be effective so that, you know, played into our build practices and our personal home build, I would say that's going to give you the most tips as a self builder, because it's going to show you what do you have to do if you're by yourself gone from being remodelers on the side to self builders to now we're full-time post-frame Barnuminium builders. Uh, we also build like people's barns and shops and things like that. But, but the majority of our clients are people who have found us online and they're like, I want a house like that. So, um, yeah, so now we've, we've, That's been, be cool. yes, it's super cool. And tons of people came out of the woodwork and they're like, will you build my house for me? Will you build my house for me? And, and so that's kind of how our, you know, our platforms have transitioned is that we're, we want to keep sharing this knowledge and stuff, but, uh, we do have some people working for us now still try to share, keep that attitude and keep that, that, uh, vibe, I guess you could say with a lot of our content is showing people that up close so you can see what really happens. So it might be a different guy, you know, actually running the, the nailer or something, or we've bought a couple of fancier tools that we use on every single project to make life a little bit more convenient, you know, but for the majority of our content, it's still, we still are trying to help the person that's trying to figure it out themselves. Is it all worth it? in the end. I mean, yes, it was, it was worth it in the end. Uh, but, but yeah, I, um, I hope if there, if there is a next time, but it's a little bit better than the last time. <laughs> I think, I think you guys have some of the most interesting insight into this. Because um, y'all lived trial by fire with your bills and uh, you did it repeatedly and worked your way up to a full scale home bill. And, I'm really interested in, in getting to hear more of like the backstory behind it now that you guys are living in the house and you're kind of getting past it because you've made something wonderful with what you guys have done. You've managed to grow in a bunch of different directions and um, I, I just, I have a lot of ad admiration for y'all because part of the reason that we decided to build is because we saw that it was possible 
and uh, it made a, a big difference in the trajectory of of our our marriage and our life. And I really hope that other people feel just as inspired to to try. And I hope that other people feel like they aren't going to be embarrassed by admitting that, that yes, things were really crappy for a while there, and uh, a lot of sacrifices were made, but. Um, Ultimately, a generation, two generations from now, I hope it feels even more worth it. If you're willing, like we want to be the resource for you. We want to be the place that you can come and you can say, hey, I really need help with this. Or, um, you know, or I just, I'm just discouraged. I want to give up. Going back to hot summer days. Well, there was the beginning part portions of the build where he was outside and his tool trailer was his only shade. Like we had, he had no place to go to escape 90, hundred degree days. And he was out there all day by himself. You know, we'd have to have like some days it'd be like, well, I need you to check in with me so often. Cause if he were to pass out, like nobody's there, like, that's the, you know, other kind of tragedy of self-building is that there's nobody there if you get hurt or something happens and you need help. Like you're just there all by yourself. Um, so oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know how that one feels. Woody's always, yeah. we live a quarter mile down from our build and Woody's down there working at night, trying to stand up um, a 12,000 pound car lift by himself. And it's one of many times where I have to tell him to text me every hour or two just walk outside and text me because I want to make sure you didn't get squished and I really don't want to walk up on you in the morning if I realize you didn't come home like that right. that's the reality of, of being alone right um, yeah yeah and that's something I think a big consideration that people need to take into account too like just don't you know it's one of those things that you don't think about and then you start doing it and you're like oh yeah like if you're self-building, you're potentially all by yourself. I mean, we lived, we lived almost a half an hour away from our build site for the first year of the project. So it was, that adds up so quickly. It does. It does. And I, and really like looking back, like that's another decision that we would have made different is to try to live either on site or really close to the site kids and well, kids want to be comfortable if you've got no yes. shade and you don't want them in the tool trailer then yes where exactly. are they gonna go yeah yeah that's the main reason why you never you don't actually see me in a lot of the early videos is uh it just it just wasn't very feasible so uh you know now it's like easy for me to think like oh well I just throw everybody in the car and we just drive and it'd be great and you know everybody can pee in the woods um, you right. know, no big deal, you know, but at the time it was a much, much, much bigger deal. Uh, right. so, uh, so there's a lot of greats. I would say, you know, give yourself, if you're thinking about, if somebody's thinking about going on this journey, you know, they need to give themselves a lot of grace with it and know, uh, where they're at. So, you know, maybe that means that some people need to postpone their build until their kids are a little bit older I mean, that, that we get every once in a while that, I feel like is such an ignorant statement when people say, well, it must be nice that you sat around and watched your husband build your house. And, uh, and it's like, well, <laughs> I oh was, not, yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, how much time do you have for me to actually debunk that myth um, for you? Yeah. yeah. Just because you didn't, don't see me in the videos and that I wasn't physically building uh, doesn't mean that I didn't have a, an essential role to play in this whole process. Paul could not have gone and done what he did if it were not for my willingness to do what I did, like I, I had to be willing to, to take on 
the primary responsibility for everything else. So literally (laughs) everything else to make our lives function. And if you are single or if you do not have children and you are thinking about building, go for it now. (laughs) Do it now before you have to tow the team around. Do it now. Yeah, because it's not a bad time. Just do it. Yeah, yeah. Because another point about having kids when you're building and stuff is that, I mean, you know, Megan, uh, you've got a really little, (laughs) little baby. Your job site is a, is like a death trap for a really long time. Like there, like you might create a little bit of safety at some point, but then the safety goes away in an instant when you're building. So, uh, you know, you, and we built a two-story home. So once the stairs went in and like, then there's the subfloor and we have no railing or walls upstairs, like that's just nothing but a opportunity for my then 18 month old to like wander off and and fall. You know, Paul can't get anything, couldn't get anything done when we were there because we both had to be watching our three kids go in three separate directions and we had to keep them safe and, and stuff like that. So give yourself a lot of grace when it comes to that. Don't feel like people can bully you into thinking that you should be able to do more. Uh, because if you, if your story is anything like mine, trust me, you've done beyond what is actually uh, capacity. Like you've done everything and more if you're on the, if you're the partner that's supporting the self-builder. There are things that I'm still having to, uh, you know, physically and stuff and probably emotionally, uh, there, there's just ramifications from it that I still have to like deal with um, as a result of it. Like it, it wore me down quite a bit. Moving forward in, in settling into our home, you know, and celebrating those victories of like buying living room furniture and actually getting to sit in my living room and have a cup of coffee. Um, that was a huge, that was a huge thing for me. Like that was a huge turning point. Hope you kind of regain some of that, uh, those pieces, pieces back that you had to give up during, during the self-build process is, is yeah, getting, getting some furniture and actually getting to sit and like, just look around and enjoy and feel like you're enjoying your surroundings. Yeah, everyone really struggles with whenever they take on something huge um, in any part of their lives is then enjoying the fruits of your labor or your sacrifice. And um, I know for me, even through it was like, it was hard to enjoy. You, you so quickly get caught up in the day to day again when it's over, that it's hard to just enjoy the, what you've created. Living day to day and kind of just keeping your head down and going from like crisis to crisis with building a house, it's really easy to, to miss some of those things. And I know I personally can't wait until I can sit in the living room and have coffee yeah. and it's hot coffee. I don't know. I've, I've so enjoyed seeing you guys go through the journey though. Like the fact that on the other side of it, you're, you're actually enjoying it now. Yes. To, to be in it, <laughs> you know, and just to see all of this work come together. So I'm not trying to say that it was all just this big, awful experience or anything like that. I think it's more just that it's a, um, it's, it's okay. If every moment isn't like a happy moment in it, because, uh, you know, self-building is going to weigh on you in every single area of your life kind of view us as more like we're on one, we're in one extreme. Um, and so we're, we're at, we're at an extreme. So, and we're just like, kind of saying, Hey, like you can do it. And like encouraging you to come our way, understanding that 
that you're going to stop at different points on the journey. Some of you are going to watch our, you know, watch us and you're going to say, that's incredible. I'm super inspired. And so I'm going to be my own contractor, but I'm not going to actually do any of the work myself. And that's okay. There's nothing like less than about that. It's like, we're just saying like, come be a part of this, be a part of what we're creating, be a part of this community, uh, join us and join us at whatever step you're at, you know, maybe then because you're inspired by us, you decide to install your own cabinets. Awesome. Like that's our goal. That's what we want to see. Um, yeah. And then, you know, then there's other of you that are like, you know, we have other people that just like took off sprinting, running towards us. And they're like, we're going to do this and we're going to go be all in. And we're going to like do every single step of the house ourselves. And, um, and that's, you know, that's a super commendable as well. So so yeah, I would say, don't look at us and think you have to do what we did. Otherwise our content isn't applicable to you. It's more, we're just here to encourage you. Okay. Well, I think that you have a ton of stories for an episode all about building with kids. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> I think we could both really jump into, yep. um, because that's just such a huge part of this, but no, I, I'm really excited to be able to share this part of building with everyone. Thanks to everybody who is listening. Uh, please head to the description for all of the information that you need to check out Megan and I and our different accounts that we have, the different things that we share, including um, our YouTube channel. Uh, you can find Paul and I under Mr. or Mrs. Postframe uh, pretty much anywhere online. And uh, I think that's Perfect. a wrap. Well, thank you so much. And right. yeah, we'll do this again soon.